Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today we celebrate the great feast of Christ the King. And the gospel given to us by the church is the story of Christ's confrontation with Pontius Pilate. You know, an issue that our present Pope, Benedict XVI, finds extremely important is the relationship between the Christian religion and modern democracy. As Cardinal Ratzinger, he wrote extensively on this subject over many years and has even now made it central to his concerns as Pope. Here's the difficulty as Benedict XVI sees it, especially in the wake of the great totalitarianisms of the 20th century. Some theorists of democracy, some political philosophers, hold that any claim to absolute truth is inimical to the exercise of real freedom. They mean that whenever a group or individual claims to know the truth, this will be threatening to the freedom of others. So much so that truth appears to belong to the realm of anti-democratic intolerance. How often, for example, do you hear in our culture, who are you to impose your views on me? That's fine if you want to believe it, but don't expect me to, and don't expect the government to be imposing it on me. Though individuals and groups can legitimately claim to know a private truth, they shouldn't be imposing this vision on the society as a whole. Thus, on this reading of things, as far as the government's concerned, truth is simply a function of the decision of the majority, simply the result of the ever-shifting consensus of the populace. If you read now the political philosophies of John Rawls and Richard Rorty in this country, Jürgen Habermas over in Europe, you'll find this view. At the limit, these people imply that religion is antipathetic to democracy, and it must be eliminated altogether, or at best, at least, privatized. There's a European philosopher named Hans Kelsen, whom Josef Ratzinger cites. Hans Kelsen published an analysis of our reading for today, in which this theory, this reading of religion and politics is defended. Kelsen sees Pontius Pilate in his confrontation with Jesus as the perfect avatar of democracy. It's curious. Now keep in mind, he's praising Pontius Pilate. He thinks he's the, he's the right avatar of democracy. How come? Jesus stands before Pilate and says that he's been sent to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate responds with a world-weary cynicism, skepticism. What is truth? 
This is the voice of someone who's probably endured all sorts of claims to truth and has seen their destructiveness. Someone who is, therefore, wary of claims to the true and the good. Maybe it's even someone who despairs of the capacity even to know anything at all. But here's the point. Kelson, this philosopher, observes approvingly that Pilate acts in line with this belief. Though he undoubtedly suspects that Jesus is innocent of the charges made against him, he turns his fate over to the people. Remember that great scene, there's the crowd gathered before Pilate. He says, I know you have this law on Passover that I should release a prisoner. Well, which one is it? Do you want Jesus? Do you want Barabbas? Now, Pilate might have his own views on, on the innocence of Jesus, but he suspends that, and he leaves it open to the determination of the crowd. And, of course, they cry out for Barabbas. So, finally, having heard this vox populi, this voice of the people, Pilate washes his hands of the matter. Kelsen approves of Pilate as a very good representative of a properly skeptical and relativistic government. A government that is keeping its distance from claims to absolute truth, basing itself not on the objective good and true, but upon correct democratic procedure. What's the case? Let the people decide. What's true? It depends on the emerging consensus of the majority. And Pontius Pilate lets that happen. Now, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, argues that there is a much better and much more accurate way to read this confrontation between Jesus and Pilate. He says this, Notice how Jesus never questions the legitimacy of Pilate's political authority. He never says, Pontius Pilate, you should not be the Roman governor, you should not be in charge here. Jesus, mind you, is not a zealot. There were zealots at his time who were calling for the radical overthrow of the Roman government. Jesus is not a zealot. In fact, he acknowledges that Pilate has legitimate power. But then he adds something of decisive importance. Pilate, in his desperation, asks rhetorically, Don't you know I have the power to crucify you or the power to release you? And Jesus responds, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Again, notice, he's not questioning that Pilate has power, that Pilate can legitimately exercise his political authority, that he's the Roman governor. But, but, the power that Pilate legitimately exercises comes not from the consensus of the people, not from the shifting convictions of the mob, but rather from above, which is to say, from God. Who is God? God is the good itself. God is the truth itself. Therefore, God is that power which grounds and conditions and contextualizes all legitimate political 
decisions. All governance, all politics at its best, is therefore rooted in a good and a true that come not from below, but from above. Here's the irony. The truth which is incarnated in Christ is standing right in front of Pilate. The norm of correct government is standing personally right before him. And he says, what is the truth? And turns Jesus over to the fickle whim of the mob. This shows, not that Pilate is some avatar of correct democracy, not some model of right government. It shows that Pilate is a coward and a cad. It shows that Pilate is exercising his authority illegitimately. Every politician, king, prime minister, president, congressperson, must realize that finally their power comes from God and is correlated to God. Now, let's explore the application of this interpretation to our contemporary democratic situation. True, freedom is a great and abiding value within our system. But freedom must always be correlated to the truth and grounded in it. Our free decisions as a society, facilitated politically by the government, must take place within the context of certain basic truths and values, listen now, that cannot themselves be subject to a vote. Whatever our legislature decides about traffic laws or antitrust laws or whatever the latest legislation is, whatever they decide must be based upon certain truths and values that come not from the people but come from God and therefore are inviolable, therefore cannot be subject to the vote and shifting attitude of the people. And if we look closely at our democracy, we will find these values. Where? Precisely in those human rights that have been recognized from the beginning as inviolable. And how important this is in Jefferson's own language, endowed by the Creator. I think I've mentioned to you before, the claim to political equality makes no sense apart from the Creator God. You don't believe in the Creator God, we're not fundamentally equal. We're radically unequal in, in intelligence, creativity, physical beauty, prowess, power. What makes us equal? That we are all equally children of God. Why do we have these basic fundamental rights? Not because the government gives them to us not because the people ratify them. We have them because they've been endowed by God, by our Creator. These rights, therefore, inviolable, provide the context and setting for any and all political legislation. Only when we realize that the power of the government comes from above do we find ourselves in the right position. 
And so, let's return by way of conclusion to the question that Pilate poses to Jesus. Are you a king? Are you a king? We know why Pilate's worried about this. If Jesus is a political king, he's got to be eliminated. If he's a political king, he's a threat to Roman authority. Pilate's mind is focused. He knows what he's after. So what's the answer? Is he a king? Not in the worldly way. Jesus makes no claim to be another David or Solomon or Caesar. He's not the least bit interested in usurping the legitimate authority of Pilate. Jesus has no interest in taking the reins of government, of making practical decisions. But, in a wider sense, in a more sovereign sense, he is indeed the king. How come? Because he embodies that moral and spiritual authority which governs and grounds all legitimate exercise of political power. All kings, all governors, all princes, all prime ministers and presidents must look to the truth that Jesus is, that Jesus embodies. And in that sense, he is king of kings. In that sense, he is sovereign over all political authority. When this sense is lost, Pilate and all of his successors lose their moral bearings. Here's the great issue, I think, that's at stake on this feast of Christ the King. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.